Welcome to the Canine PT Academy podcast. Business lessons for canine rehabilitation therapists. Introducing your host, Dr. Francisco Maya. Thanks so much for joining us for another episode of the Canine PT Academy podcast, Business Lessons for Canine Rehabilitation Therapists. Today, we have a little bit of a different episode where you're going to be listening to an interview that I had as a guest with Megan Kelly from Online Pet Health and the Veterinary Rehabilitation Podcast. This interview was published through their podcast on June 15th, 2021. So a little bit over a year ago, and the interview itself was recorded even a couple months prior to that. So I just wanted to be aware of it because you're going to notice you know, that we're talking about how we have managed COVID, COVID during the first year and how this affected our business and what we were doing about that and all that kind of stuff. But I wanted to share this episode with you all as there was so much helpful information that we discussed during this episode, including my business philosophy, which was something that Megan herself titled as building a minimalist practice, which I do agree with. It is kind of like building a minimalist practice because we really don't focus too much on the bells and whistles and the different pieces of equipment and that kind of stuff, you know, which there's not necessarily a right or a wrong way to go about it, but it is our philosophy is the way I have done things at the Canine PT. And during this episode, we discussed how that came to be and how that approach has influenced not only the business model, but also how do we approach the clinical care and the plans of care with our patients. We also talked about how that model puts a very heavy emphasis into empowering the pet owner by focusing on teaching them how to progress and be complying with a home exercise program, which we all know compliance with our home exercise program is always a big challenge when working in the field of canine rehabilitation. And the physical therapists listening to this podcast know that even working with the human patients, it's a huge challenge as well. And it was very interesting while listening back to this episode because I actually hadn't listened to it you know, for a year since this episode had came out. And it was interesting to see how we had even discussed things that at that point in time weren't applicable to my business. So what I mean by that, we were discussing like incorporating a veterinarian to our team at the Canine PT to do acupuncture. And at that point in time, it wasn't really a possibility, but it was cool to see and listen back to the growth that we have had over the last year, because even though it wasn't a possibility, it was something that was already in the back of my mind. And it's really cool that today we have that in place. Today, we have added a veterinarian earlier this year to our team who, as part of what she does, she helps our patients with acupuncture sessions. So that was just kind of like really cool to see just even the growth within our business during that time. But the last thing I wanted to, to mention before we start the interview is make sure to listen until the very end because the last 15 minutes in particular were so full of lessons as I discuss my top pieces of advice for someone starting their own business in canine rehabilitation. And the last 15 minutes, it was packed with full of like helpful information for you all. So make sure to listen to the full episodes. Let us know if you have any questions afterwards. You can reach out us by email that you can find it on the show notes and make sure as well to follow Online Pet Health and subscribe to their podcast, the Veterinary Rehabilitation Podcast. But now let's go to the interview. Hey, Francisco. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks. Thanks, Megan, for having me once again. 
Francisco, you're no stranger to the Veterinary Rehabilitation Podcast, but for those listeners um, that might not have heard of you, won't you tell us about yourself and how you got into the field of vet rehab? Yeah, so uh, my name is Francisco Maya. I am a physical therapist located in Chicago, Illinois, in the United States. I have my own business now uh, called the Canine PT, and I've had it going into about three and a half years now, but I've been working with canines going into almost six years at this point. Um, graduated with my doctor of physical therapy degree back in 2012, but didn't even find out about uh, physical therapists being able to work with animals until 20, late 2013. But once I find out, I knew that was exactly what I wanted to be doing as a physical therapist. So all throughout 2014, I went through the coursework with the Canine Rehabilitation Institute um, and then completed my CCRT in the spring of 2015. And, um, and they have been working with animals since, since that summer, basically. So today we're going to be chatting about uh, running a minimalistic practice. Um, and so this is something that um, you pride yourself in. And, you know, our hands are obviously our greatest tools. Um, how have you applied this minimalistic, so just basically originally just using your hands in your practice? Yeah, so I think one thing to go back and understand is kind of like my background as a physical therapist. So I graduated from the University of Pittsburgh, which for those who might not be familiar, it's a very like manual therapy based physical therapy program. And one of the one of the most manual therapy based programs in the United States. So when I came out of it, that was my my skill set, my focus was focusing on manual therapy. And then I started learning a lot about exercise progressions. And I worked primarily for the first couple of years with uh, younger and active adults, crossfitters, runners, high school athletes, that kind of stuff, that kind of population. So the, the, the focus at this private practice where I worked at was very heavy into manual therapy and exercise progression. And that was how I, I kind of like grew my skill set as a physical therapist. So when I transitioned to work with canines for the first couple of years, I worked at a veterinary clinic and that was more of like a modality based place where, um, you know, most of the patients got kind of like the underwater treadmill and laser. There would be some exercises, but because the, the sessions were only like 30 minutes long, you sometimes barely leave enough time to do the exercise and would never leave enough time for me to do the manual therapy that I wanted it to do. So as I left that practice and I opened my own business in September of 2017, I opened my business first as a mobile practitioner. So I was driving all over Chicago into people's homes for it. And that was the business model for the first couple of years. So suddenly I had to reinvent myself as a canine physical therapist because I didn't have access to the modalities that I was used to. The only thing I, I did get was a, a class 3B laser unit because I knew I wanted it that. But other than that, I had to kind of like reinvent myself and go back to my roots, you know, and, and think, okay, what was that I did with my human patients in the past that got them better? And it was get them them feeling better, get their joints moving better, get them to be more limber, less stiff, less painful. And then as we achieve that, get them stronger through a progressive exercise program. And then little by little, I started implementing that philosophy into my business 
and I started noticing better results. The post-op DPLO patients that I was seeing were suddenly getting better results. They were getting stronger you know, than they used to be when I was uh, relying on the water treadmill. So then little by little, I started realizing that like this is the way I want to do things. So even when I started looking into opening the facility, like I didn't even second guess myself into thinking, oh, I need to have all these bells and whistles, all these different modalities and everything else, because I had already been running a mobile business for a couple of years at that point, And the results were there. I was seeing the results of my clients. So I basically didn't see the need for me to try to reinvent the wheel once again. And we basically just kept the same philosophy going um, into, into the clinic. Yeah, I mean, I must say, when you start off with practice, um, that's one of the things you always question, like what what modalities, what equipment should I get? Um, and often we think, oh, we need to have all the bells and whistles. Um, but, you know, from your experience, you obviously could see that, you know, what you were doing was working. When you say you were getting better results, was that in comparison to when you were working at the vet practice and using all the equipment and modalities? So you you compared sort of different um, conditions and the, treat, the, the operations that they had and the post-op outcomes that you were having with your treatment. Right, it was. And of course, I know that's kind of like a anecdotal, you know, kind of like approach to it. Um, but, but basically, that's what I was seeing is that the, like I said, like, you know, a lot of the, the post-op DPLO patients, they were getting stronger and having less recurrences, le- less setbacks, especially after the three-month, four-month period after surgery and stuff, we were able to really develop a program that clients could keep up with. And that was something that I felt like also played along with it that made a major difference, you know, because when, when a clinic tends to over-rely too much on modalities, then something has to give. And the thing that I've noticed that it gives sometimes is that compliance with the clients in terms of the home exercise program. But because people will come to me looking for, hey, I want to learn how to do these exercises on my own, my clients tended to be super compliant. And because of that, they tended to really keep up with the exercises that I would instruct, keep up with the progressions and even beyond, you know, even when we started spacing out sessions and I would maybe just see them once a month to progress the exercises, I knew they they kept up with it because I could tell because the patient was stronger, the patient was feeling um, better. So, so it was like, like an agnotal approach that, that I've noticed. And one of the things that um, even on the back of my mind for a while, I was still second guessing myself too, was then the, the patients with neurological conditions too, because we learned that, oh, those patients really need underwater treadmill for them to be able to do gait training and that kind of stuff. And then I started uh, learning more from some other PTs that worked with animals, but had a more focused human background on, on neuro rehab, more specifically, especially neurodevelopmental sequencing rehab. So a lot of stuff that uh, pediatric physical therapists tend to work with kids that have you know neurological issues. And I started applying a lot of the neurodevelop- neurodevelopment I'm sorry, neurodevelopmental sequencing approach to um, to the canine patients. And then for me, it was very eye-opening when I've noticed that those patients were doing better too. And I think one of the biggest reasons behind it is because 
I'm able to teach the clients, the pet owners, something that they can do at home every day through like a, an NDS exercise approach. Because if, if we're seeing a neurological patient, then all they're doing with us is underwater treadmill and acupuncture and little things here and there. Not saying that those things cannot be helpful, but if that's all that we're doing, then we're missing the most important thing, which for me, it is what are they doing the other days of the week when I'm not seeing them? And that's what we explain to people, you know, when they contact us asking about sometimes like, you know, our approach and why we don't use XYZ modality, why we don't use hydrotherapy. And that's what I explain to them. It's like, look, if I go to the gym I'm not going to get stronger. I'm not going to get in shape by just going to the gym once a week and then doing nothing the other six days of the week. And we can't expect the same thing with the dogs. So the way we're going to do things is when you are working with us, we are going to teach you what you're going to be doing at home in the meantime, and then empower you to be able to do those things. And people that find us and come to us really like it. They really want to get involved. Those are the clients that we tend to attract. And that's one of the reasons why I feel like even with the uh, dogs with neurological issues, we've been seeing uh, such a tremendous success with it despite the fact that we don't have an underwater treadmill is because we're able to teach them things that you, they can do at home every day with their pet instead of ha having to wait another week to be able to come in for a session with us. So if you look at your consult, how, how much time in that consult? I mean, how, how, what is your average consult length? Yeah, our uh, initial evaluations are all kind of like between an hour and 15 minutes to an hour and 30 minutes, probably most of them close to an hour and 30 minutes. Now, we do book like a full two hour time slot, just so that way we're not feeling rushed. And, you know, especially as a clinician feeling like, oh my God, I've got to, my other patient is waiting, you know, I got to go, I got to go. So that way, if we do go over a little bit, it doesn't create any issues. And then if we're done right on time, it gives the clinician time to start getting caught up with some of the documentation, you know, related to the evaluation. So it, it works, it works very well. Um, but one of the things that it was also a little bit of a tough transition for me, transitioning from humans to canines, and then I wanted to change that philosophy when I opened my business, is the fact that when I worked at that uh, veterinary facility, the, the initial consult was only the initial consult. There was no treatment done during that initial appointment. And for me as a physical therapist, it was a very tough mindset for me to wrap my head around that because when I would see my human patients, I would evaluate their back pain, their shoulder pain, whatever it may be. And then I would pinpoint like, okay, I can help you with this today. So we're going to do this today and see how you're doing at the end of the session and then figure it out what's going to be the game plan afterwards based on how they responded to the session. So for me, it was a tough mindset to wrap my head around it. So when I started doing my own thing, I went back to that approach of not only doing the evaluation, but also starting with a treatment session and already teaching people a couple of things that they can start doing at home. Um, you know, once again, because I want them to start doing things at home right away before I get to see them a week from them. Um, so that's how we kind of like structure the evaluations because I want to, you know, if I'm finding, you know, that the dog is painful, if I'm finding that the dog has a tight lumbar sacral spine, 
or the hip extension is uncomfortable or whatever it may be. I don't want to have to wait until the following week to be able to help that dog. I wanted to be able to help them right there. So that way, when they're walking out of the clinic, the clients, the pet owners can already see an improvement or how, how their dog is already you know, feeling better after the evaluation. So it's a large portion of the time of your treatment in doing exercises. Um, so actually doing the exercises and then showing the owner at the same time. Um, you know, because mm-hmm. if I think about, you know, back to my practice days, um, I was doing acupuncture, I was doing biopuncture, also underwater treadmill. And like you said, you know, at the end of the, the session, um, there wasn't a lot of time to be able to do the exercises. I would always do a few exercises and show the pet owner. But the bulk of the actual exercises would be on the pet owner to then go do at home. So there was quite a lot of trust from my side to be able to, you know, hope that the pet owner would do it. And off, you know, often you would know when you came, and they came back that they haven't mm-hmm. done it. You know, they'll say they have, but they haven't. Um, and so your your sort of approach is more spending a lot more time doing the exercises and at the same mm-hmm. time teaching them. Yeah. And, and even a lot of times have them physically do the exercise with the dog at the clinic, right? Because as we know, doing exercises with dogs, also it's a lot on the handler as well to understand how, you know, position their body, how to position the treats so they can watch us doing. And we sometimes make it look easy because we do that every day. So we want to see the clients doing, especially the more kind of like challenging exercises to make sure that they're doing it right. And that was one of the main reasons, even, you know, with, with COVID precautions over the last year or so that we, we still were able in a safe way to let people into the clinic because for us to just do curbside drop-off, it would lead into a very significant change in the way we do things, not from an operational perspective, but from a philosophy kind of way, from the way that we, we want our rehab appointments to go and the way that we want the client to be empowered to, to, to go home feeling like, okay, I have a grasp of what I need to be doing. And this is what I'm going to be doing for the next two weeks until I go back there. You know, so that was a priority for us was to make sure that we're able to to safely still keep people coming into the clinic. And we're very happy that, you know, we're able to do so because a lot of clients really, really appreciated that aspect that they were, you know, suddenly not allowed to go in for, you know, their regular vet appointments or for their surgery appointments, it was all, you know, curbside drop off. And they were, they were all very grateful to the fact they were able to let them into the building in a safe way and still, you know, being able to, to help their dog along their journey. Now you must have quite a specific type of clientele, because if I think back to my clients, you know, we had those compliant ones and the ones that would do absolutely anything. But then I also had, you know, quite, quite a few clients that would come and they were happy to bring their dog, but weren't that interested in being a part of, part of the, the treatment. So, you know, that kind of clients wouldn't really fit well into your clinic. They wouldn't. And what happens is that I think a lot of times they self-select themselves out of being our clients. So, for example, one, one of the other things that I know I didn't want when I opened the clinic because of my philosophy around rehab was I didn't want to do drop-offs. Now, I do understand, and this is, you know, pre-COVID drop-offs, I mean, and I do understand sometimes why some larger clinics 
tend to do it because then they can see some patients during the day, you know, when the schedule can be kind of like slower and stuff. So I, I do understand the benefits behind it, but it was not the way I wanted it to do things. So when, you know, someone contacts us at first and we start talking them through how we can help their pets and we go through with them, our philosophy of, you know, how we do things, a lot of people at that point either connect with that and they're like, that's exactly what I want. I want to be able to learn what to be doing at home. Or people might not connect with it and be like, you know what? I am super busy and I just don't have the time for this. I just want to be able to take my dog to you and you do your thing, right? And, and that's okay. So that was a mindset I had to get around that that second scenario, they weren't our ideal clients. And, you know, and if they spoke to us and they realized that... I was completely fine with that. So over time, yes, just like you said, we're just starting to attract more and more of the clients that really value that because that was the message that we're putting, you know, putting out from the get-go. So if you're at your clinic now, do you have any modalities that complement your hands that you use? Yeah, so we do use Class 3B laser all day, every day. That was something that I got it from, from the get-go. That was the... You know, as I opened my mobile business, that was the biggest investment I made was to get that class 3B laser. Um, and then we do use uh, pen treatments as well, either with, you know, one of the loops or with one of the beds. Um, so we use that a lot, especially when we're doing a lot of the, our therapy treatment we have the patient laying on the pain bed and works super well because it's not taking any extra time out of the session to do that because you know they would be laying down already for us to do the manual therapy treatment anyway so we, we do use those two things all day every day we also do have some of those like small portable separate like tens and an mes unit but we very very rarely use that the nmes units when we do have to use it you know, with a neurological patient who, who really needs that extra boost for, you know, muscle strengthening, uh, we tend to um, um, get the clients to buy one of those units, which they can purchase online for about $70 or so. And then we, they bring it with them and then we program the unit so that way they don't have to worry about the settings or anything like that. And then we show them how to do it. And then we instruct them you know, on how to do it safely and properly at home, because I want them to be doing the NMES, you know, ideally at least three times a week, potentially even like four or so times a week at home. So, so that's what I want to do anyways. I don't want them to come and do the NMES just once a week. And then what that does is it gives them something to do at home. So that way, when they come to see us the following week, we don't have to kind of quote unquote waste time on the NMES because they're already doing that at home. And then we're able to focus on the other things at the clinic, you know, like for example, as I mentioned earlier, a lot of the neurodevelopmental, you know, sequencing kind of stuff that we tend to do a lot at the clinic with the neurological patients. Now, so it sounds like you're really using the pet owner as part of your team, right? So for them to be able to do the things that they can do so that you can focus on the things that they can't. Oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. That's a great way to look at it. They are they are part of the team because w without them being really um, a part of the team, the, the results that you can get, you know, 
from the pet, I think is going to be a little bit capped. You're going to be able to get much better results if you get a client who is invested, who, who wants to learn how to do those things and, you know, are going to be doing those things at home because then you're just going to exponentially gain, you know, the, your results are just going to get better, not only better in terms of how they're going to improve when they're recovering with you, but better in the long term too. And that was one of the things that people love it. It's because they're able to come to us for, you know, a rehab program for three, four months, whatever length that might take, but they come out of the back end of it really feeling like, okay, I got a handle of this. Now I, you know, not only my dog is doing better after this surgery, but now I know how to continue doing those things on my own as well. So, you know, maybe avoid the, the other leg from getting hurt or with arthritis in the long run or whatever it may be. So for, for me, they have to be a part of the team. Um, otherwise, I feel like our, our ability to help them is just going to be kept at a much lower level. Yeah, I mean, I must say for, for a lot of us, uh, getting our owners to be compliant and to do the things that we want them to do is always a challenge. Um, but I love the way that you select those, your clients um, so that all your clients are pretty much like that, um, which is great. So what are the other advantages for you in minimizing your equipment? Yeah, I think, you know, there's a few different ways to look at it from a true, you know, business perspective as a business owner is you're basically ended up running a more streamlined practice. So you're keeping your bottom line, you're keeping your expenses, you know, lower, you're keeping it simpler. And thus you're, you're making the, the business more efficient in the long run. Um, and then also, if you're looking for a commercial space to lease for your clinic, it also makes things a little bit easier because then it opens up more options for you. Because if you're looking for a commercial space that needs to fit the criteria of having a hydro room, of having a pool and this and that, suddenly not only the options available for you are, you know, are decreased, but then also a lot of the landlords might not want to deal with that. They might not want the liability of having a pool in their building, right? So from a business perspective, I feel it helps a lot with that. From the, the other thing from the business perspective that it helps a lot is with the networking, you know, because if someone is hydro thing and, and we don't offer underwater treadmill, we do have somewhere that we can refer them to go for underwater treadmill while they keep seeing us for, you know, the, the exercise-based approach, the neurodevelopmental sequence approach and whatever it is. So that can work pretty well to in developing a partnership with those places, um, you know, that do those services. Um, and same thing as well with acupuncture, you know, because we, we only do physical therapy at a clinic. So, you know, if I need to refer out to acupuncture, we have a handful of different places, different clinicians that, you know, that we refer clients to uh, orthotics or prosthetics. We also have uh, orthotics and prosthetics place here in Chicago that sees animals that we refer them to. So it just helps keep things simpler, keep our message more consistent on what we have to offer to people. And from from the client and patient perspective, you know, like I mentioned earlier, it puts that emphasis on 
empowering the pet owner to learn to do things at home, especially in the long run, to be able to manage things in the long run, which ultimately that's what a lot of them want. They want to be able to, you know, to learn how to help their dog, not just that two, three week, three month period that they might be with you, but how they can keep their dog healthier for longer. Yeah, I'm really interested to see that you sort of just focused on your um, key qualities and then, you know, you use other therapists if you need them. Have you ever been tempted, for example, to get a vet on board to do the acupuncture or somebody to do the prosthetics? Um, or are you quite happy with the situation where you just focus on your things and then refer out? Um, at this point in time, I feel for us, it works pretty well to just refer that out. Not saying that, you know, that might not change in the future, but especially because of limitations with the space that we have, there's only so many patients we can see at a given time and we are busy already doing what we're doing. So logistically, it, it would make a little bit difficult to even have the availability to, to offer, you know, anything beyond that um, with the current space that we have. But like I said, I feel like it just gives an opportunity to to work with other professionals and, and open mm -hmm. up those relationships so that way we all, you know, you, what you, you said is for me is pretty important. We all have something that we're really good at, you know, but sometimes we get so caught up, especially I see a lot in our field of animal rehabilitation of just trying to be a jack of all, all trades. And, you know, I feel like more and more we're going to have to specialize in, into what we do because there's only so much knowledge, so much that you can do as, as you know, as an individual or as a practice. And so not only is going to allow you to partner and open up relationship with other clinics, but it's going to allow you to become known in your area, in your region for that particular thing, which ultimately that's what people are looking for. When people are looking for help for themselves, help for their kids, help for their dogs, whoever it may be, we all want the best available and the best available usually it's going to be someone who specializes on that particular thing. So I have no fear of doing that. I have no fear, you know, because sometimes business owners ask me, they're like, well, aren't you afraid that you're just excluding, you know, some potential clients because you don't offer those things. And I'm, I'm not afraid of that because that's, you know, I want to be able to really focus on, on what we're good at and what we're good at, what I'm good at, what my clinicians are good at is physical therapy. Now you become an expert in what you do and then you become known for that. Mm -hmm. um, whereas if you, like you say, I mean, if I think back now, that's sort of why I specialized in rehab. And it's amazing now because within rehab now you can even specialize even more. But, you know, as a vet, I, I hated the fact that I was a master of nothing, you know, um, mm -hmm. and I say that, you know, I mean, I was a very competent vet, um, but, you know, I, I didn't like the fact that I was doing ops one day and then medicine the next day. And I felt like there was always somebody within those specific specialities who I could refer to. Um, and I didn't like that feeling. I wanted yeah. to be the best at what I was doing. Um, and so that's why I went into rehab. I thought, you know, I, I want to focus on something that I'm really passionate about. Um, but like you say, now, even within rehab, you can, you know, be doing prosthetics. You can be doing acupuncture, pain management. There's so many things now. It's such a growing field. 
Um, I but think it's that's important to, yeah, and I think it's important to understand your limitations, you know, and that's, I feel like as the field of animal rehab grew 10 years ago, 15 years ago, we had to be more like jack of all trades and stuff because there wasn't, you know, many clinics doing what we're doing, but that's quickly changing. And as that changes, we need to understand our limitations a little bit better, you know, and not being afraid of, of that. And that's something that I feel like, you know, I was so used to in the human world where, you know, we, we're all different professions. We have physical therapists, we have chiropractors, we have occupational therapists, we have acupuncturists, we have physicians. They're all different people. And then suddenly I got into the animal rehab world and all of those could be one person kind of stuff, which once again, I understand where they came from 20, 15, 10 years ago. But I also see that, you know, quickly kind of changing in the future as well. So if you look at the, at, oh, sorry, hold on, I've lost my chain of thought. We have to, oh, completely lost my chain of thought what I was going to ask you. Okay, I'm going to go on to this other, this other question. Okay. Um, oh, yeah, 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 no, no, I remember now. Sorry, Anna, you're going to have to edit this out. <laughs> um, so if you look at the practice that you were working at before, let's just go over all the disadvantages in your opinion about having too many modalities and too much equipment. Yeah. And I don't want to say this is, you know, in, in, in comparison to where I worked before, because I've consulted and coached, you know, many other uh, business owners since then. So I definitely have seen a trend beyond just that. Um, you know, but for example, one of the, the biggest challenges sometimes when you have too many modalities is how do you schedule those out? to make sure that the piece of equipment that this patient needs for that session is available at that time that we're booking that appointment and not being used by our, another patient already. Um, and also on how do we schedule their fees too, you know, suddenly it gets too complicated sometimes when you have like a menu of different fees and it just confuses the client, to be honest, of like, okay, why charging this for that, that for this, this for that kind of stuff, you know, and it just makes complicated for the clients to understand even how you can help them, because then suddenly they just get so caught up with the financial sides of things that they lose focus on the most important thing, which it is how you can help my pet kind of thing. So I feel that that's a big disadvantage of it. And tying up to it is that they they lose focus on that and they also lose focus on what for me is the most important thing that we hammer on before which is what they should be doing at home because when they got so caught up with like oh but i wanted to be able to do this modality that modality that modality and stuff suddenly there is no time to teach them the things to be doing at home them and i feel that that can sometimes get lost and then that also plays a big role, I feel, in, in the compliance issue that you were talking about with clients, because if they don't feel like we're taking the time to teach them through it, and they feeling a little bit lost on how or what they're supposed to be doing at home, that's when the compliance goes down the drain, because then it's just easier for them to like not do anything if they're not sure if they're doing it correctly or even what they should be doing at all. So that's, you know, that's the other thing. And the third you know, thing for me, from a business perspective, it's the marketing component that um, 
you know, when we start spending a lot of money into these different modalities, we start to believe that we need to market those pieces of equipment to the to the public because we want to try to justify the financial investment that we made it right so then we're suddenly okay now i need to market this digital thermal thing or this you know weight scale platform whatever you know whatever it may be so we start feeling the need to market that to justify our investments but two main thing issues with that is that first any equipment is just always going to be seen as a commodity and if you market that commodity so for example if i'm marketing heavily you know that we do underwater treadmill what what will happen to that once another clinic opens up a mile down the road from us also doing underwater treadmill Right. The clients are not going to know the difference. They're just going to see what you're doing as the same thing that the other place is doing. And then suddenly, if the other place is offering the same thing, but for less, they're going to go get the same thing, but for less. Right. So from a business perspective, that can be, you know, like a big issue, of course. And then the second issue with that in terms of marketing is that ultimately that's not what people care. They don't care about the pieces of equipment that you have at the clinic. They don't even care the services that you offer. And I dare even say, they don't even care about the credentials that we have behind our name. All they care is the value that you bring to them and the results that we can bring to their pets. Ultimately, that's what they want. How are you going to get that? What is your credentials? What is your level of training? It becomes, you know, it becomes a nuance almost if you're really able to communicate with them um, you know, how you can help them, the, the value that you bring it to them, you know, instead of all those commodities, all those services and whatnot. Yeah, I mean, 100% agree with you. I think that they are looking at what value you can bring. But I do think that there is a perception from pet owners, and maybe it's because of the way things are, um, that people do have lots of modalities. Um, but, you know, if I think about the clients that I had, you know, for example, the underwater treadmill, you know, they mm-hmm. would come and the first thing they want to know, is my dog going in today, you know? And um, so there's this perception that when you use lots of gadgets and equipment, then they're getting their value for money, right? So it's our job, obviously, to show them that it's not the gadgets and it's not the equipment that they're getting the value. It's what we're doing and the outcomes that we're, we are getting with the patient. Um, but there is a perception from them. I mean, how do you handle that? Cause you obviously, you, you've already touched on it a bit before how you have clients that will talk about, you know, what do you have? And then you explain it to them and they're either in or they're out. Can mm-hmm. you give some advice to the vet rehabbers out there on how you handle um, those kind of clients that are coming in and wanting the gadgets. Yeah, because that happens at least two or three times a week. You know, uh, a lot of times, actually, when they're referred by surgeons, they're referred for underwater treadmill, basically. But then they find us and, and then, you know, we start talking with them and it all, all boils down to communication, you know, and it is... Um, Communicating effectively is is an art. It's something that we can all get better at. It's something that I've never learned about it, 
you know, on any like formal educational program through PT school or anything else, like you don't learn how to communicate with people effectively. But once you take the time to learn how to do that, and that can become basically your best asset that you can have not only as a clinician, but as a, as a human being, being able to communicate with people at a level that they understand and they comprehend, right? So, like I said, we often, we often every week get people contacting us looking for underwater treadmill because that's what it was recommended to them or that's maybe what they saw online, what they saw on social media, you know, whatever it is. But yet, I would say comfortably that at least nine out of those 10 people, once we talk to them on the phone and we communicate with them, kind of like how we're able to help them, they understand how we can help them. And they're excited to work with us, even besides the fact that we don't offer underwater treadmill. Sometimes their surgeon recommended them directly to underwater treadmill. But once we talk to them, they're like, you know what? Like, this makes more sense what you explained to me. I, you know, I went to physical therapy. They say this. I went to physical therapy and I didn't do underwater treadmill. You're right, you know. Or my 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 mom, my dad just did physical therapy for dentary replacement and they didn't do underwater treadmill and they got better. So once you start communicating efficiently with with people, they start understanding that, and um, and that's going to be. The, the main the main differential that's going to be the main thing that you're going to be able to to do for them because you know once we're able to communicate and educate them on how we can truly help them and the value that we have to offer along with those results that we can bring it then at the end of the day that's what that's what they care about and once they understand that once it clicks for them then they're going to know that you know you you are the place to go you are the clinician that they wanted to be seeing and of course, we're not saying now that underwater treadmill doesn't help these cases at all. We're just saying that this is how Francisco has his model right. and this is how it works for him. Um, yeah. So um, have you ever felt like not having any equipment has, has limited the outcomes that, that you've had in certain cases? Can you think back to any cases where you yeah. think, well, I really did need that? You know what? I, I really don't. And I know, you know, like I said, yeah, this is my model. This is what works for me. And I know it's, it's a little bit, you know, I don't know if controversial is the right word or not, but a little bit different um, from what we, we might be used to. Up until recently, and I would say recently, maybe six months ago or so, um, there were some neurological patients that I thought, I was like, you know what, they could benefit from underwater treadmill. But then, the, you know, there was a couple of cases where we sent them to do underwater treadmill, still kind of like doing stuff with us too. And, and they either didn't improve or like they got worse. And then we took a break from the underwater treadmill, refocused on the neurodevelopmental sequencing. And then those patients continue to improve once again. There is this one patient that the, the veterinary surgeon, the, neuro, the neurologist surgeon, even told them that there was maybe a 1% chance of that patient ever walking again. And now just within the last month, that patient started to actually being able to like walk on her own with some support at the clinic, wow. you know? So, so that for me was the final thing that I was like, you know what? Like, I, I, I really don't think it is 
affecting any of the outcomes. And then when I do have someone that, you know, I feel like they would benefit, like I said, from acupuncture or someone who really wants to add something else to it, we do have the places that can kind of like complement, you know, with their services. So it's not like I'm denying them, you know, any of that kind of stuff or saying that, you know, it's going to be a waste of time or money. I, I explained to them basically what you said, that it is just our philosophy. It's just how we do things. Not saying that it's right or wrong. It's just the way that we have found that we can better help our clientele. Yeah, works for you. So mm-hmm. if you could give any young vet rehab therapist any advice about starting their practice, what advice would you give them? Yeah. Well, and actually, before we go into that, so the one thing I wanted to mention is that even some of the most research behind underwater treadmill for neuro patients does not support the use of underwater treadmill as being beneficial. There was a recent research that came out a couple of years ago or so that basically showed that the group that did a more exercise-based rehab and the group that did exercise plus underwater treadmill, there was really no difference, you know, with it. So I feel a lot of the times also, you know, you need to look at those research papers and see, okay, what is the exercise component kind of stuff? I feel that that makes a big difference as well. And once again, are people doing those exercises at home too, or are they just going to the clinic and doing those at the clinic? I feel that there's so many variables that go into it that it, it are hard to be accountable sometimes for those research articles. But I feel like overwhelming the body of research is not there supporting a lot of the modalities that we use even in human pt a lot of the modalities we use in human pt are just not supported um, by research a whole lot so we just need to kind of like be aware of it but going back to your question sorry so the question was advice for someone starting their own practice yeah Yeah, cool. So I wrote down quite a few things because you know that that's one of the things I I really love about it. So the first thing, you know, is to keep things simple, you know, keep a low overhead as much as possible. You get things going as you build your clientele and then you start thinking of ways that you can grow, expand, you know, and all that kind of stuff. If, If you can, depending on where you live, start mobile. I feel that that's a great way to build that clientele with a super low overhead without having to commit yourself to a you know, a large commercial space, a large lease that you're signing a contract, you know, for many years to come, you know, that's assuming you're building from scratch. Now, if you're already coming into your business with some sort of clientele because of maybe, you know, somewhere where you worked before or whatnot, then I feel that that would be different. Um, The second thing would be to master the basics. And I don't mean that just from the clinical perspective, um, but also from operations and marketing, meaning that, you know, get out of the mindset that you're thinking that you're competing with like the other big rehab clinic around you or the big specialty practice around you because we're all just running our own race and we can't comparing ourselves you know with with this other places with other people doing things because at the end of the day like you don't know their business you don't know you know if they're even being successful if they're being profitable they might they might be busy but that doesn't mean that they're successful that they're profitable on the back end kind of stuff so master the basics and be consistent about it and and Imitate before innovating. And what I mean by that is ideally find someone who is doing what you want to do and learn from them. You know, there are people out there now that have been doing or have done what you want to do. 
and you can learn from their mistakes. So find them, learn from them, and basically just rinse and repeat what it's working for them. Don't necessarily try to reinvent the wheel. Try to stop trying to do a whole lot of new things and instead find the few things that you know works and just keep doing those things over and over again to get the results that you want. And then once you get those few things to work well for you, then you can start thinking of like thinking outside of the box and, you know, trying different things that work for you. But especially in the beginning, you know, just, just try to find someone that is doing what you do or has done what you do and just learn from their mistakes. That's, you know, that's going to not only save you a lot of stress and headache, but it's going to allow you to grow a business much faster as well. Um, and then lastly, I tell this to my mentees all the time, get comfortable being uncomfortable. If you're going to be a business owner, you need to get comfortable being uncomfortable because growing the business is painful, but nothing is as painful as just staying stuck with, with where we're at. Um, because if we get stuck, we get bored. And if we get bored, then we start blaming other people, other circumstances for, you know, our own failures or the reasons why we're not doing what we wanted to do. So for me, the solution to that is to get comfortable with being uncomfortable and embrace chaos. And what I mean by that is eliminate this this thought process that I see in a lot of healthcare professionals, this kind of like sequential thought process of like, oh, when I do this, then I do that. When I succeed doing this, then I'm going to do that. Start eliminating that from your vocabulary. Instead, learn how to do things simultaneously because you know, sometimes you don't know what's going to pan out. You don't know what's going to work. And if you're just putting all your eggs in one basket for you to get to the next step, and then that doesn't pan out, then suddenly, you know, you're going to put yourself in, in a potential bad situation, right? So, so learn how to embrace chaos and learn how to do things simultaneously and understand that the pressure that comes along with being a business owner, which it is what a lot of times, um, you know, intimidates a lot of people from, from being a business owner. It's, it's a privilege and it's a responsibility that ultimately is going to set us free. And I've spoke with literally hundreds of business owners, not just from our field, but, you know, human PT, chiropractors and whatnot. And there is a common thing in between all of us that we all say we want more freedom. Now, what that freedom entails as a business owner, that can vary. That can be more freedom to spend time with family. That can be more freedom to grow, to, to go on vacation, to grow a business beyond just ourselves. More freedom to do, you know, whatever you want to do with the time that, that can bring into them. That, that was a commonality that I found. But the only way that we're going to be able to achieve more freedom is to accept the responsibility that's going to come along with the pressure that it is to be a business owner and completely understanding that it's not for everyone. Um, you know, you're going to take the liabilities, you're going to take the stress, you're going to take the ups and downs of being a business owner, but you're also going to take the benefits. You're also going to be able to reap the benefits out of it. And in the end, if you're, uh, uh, if you're willing to, to, to put up with the responsibilities that come along with it, you know, the benefits are going to outweigh those risks. Um, so those would be my, um, my recommendations for someone getting started. <laughs> Love it, Francisco. Great advice. I want to touch on you chatting about the research. Um, so yeah, some of the, the things that you were saying about um, the hydrotherapy and the exercises, 
this year's Vet Rehab Summit, which is actually on the 13th of November, our theme is when research meets reality. And we actually have two lectures. The one is about exercises. And we, we've got a very uh, interesting concept. We've got a dual webinar concept where we're going to have a small animal clinician and we're going to have a, um, a large animal equine clinician. And they're going to be lecturing together talking about the research in each particular um, species that, that they use um, and how we can actually apply that um, to practice. Um, so, yeah, just to let you guys know, that's going to be really, really awesome. And we've got a hydrotherapy one comparing underwater treadmill and um, swimming, and that's going to be also with a small animal and an equine clinician. So um, obviously we can hear, um, Francisco, that you are extremely passionate about helping other vet rehab therapists. And I know that you, you mentor a lot of them and you've just actually now completed a, a six-week course that you call your Canine PT Academy Business Accelerator. Won't you tell the listeners um, quickly a little bit about that and how the course has gone so far? Yeah, so... Back a couple of years ago now, I started a second business called the Canine PT Academy, you know, playing off the name of my clinic, the Canine PT, as, you know, as I kind of like started getting more successful with the business, a lot of PTs here in the United States started reaching out to me to try to learn how they could do the same thing themselves. So that's kind of like how that got started. And that has become like one of my biggest focus, you know, that's one of the reasons why I am now uh, really decreasing my clinical hours. I am uh, only treating at this point about 12 to 15 hours a week. Um, and even now we're in the process of hiring a third physical therapist. So that way when we that third physical therapist comes on board, I'm going to be completely done treating patients. And yes, I'm definitely going to miss that aspect of it, but that's going to give me time to be able to focus more on the KNIMPT Academy. And one of the things that I'm very passionate about is the business sides of things and trying to show people, you know, how to not only go about getting their own business off the ground if they're just getting started, or for those who have a business, finding ways to, to be uh, more profitable, more successful, and potentially grow and scale the business. And, and that's what the business accelerator is about. So it's like I said, we're just wrapping up right now. Uh, a, this, a, it's a six weeks program that we go through together as a group. Um, you know, this is the first time I was offering this particular program the way it is. I offer all the programs in the past that were a little bit different. This is the one that is really, really focused around like the business sides of things. And I'm super excited that we had, you know, we have like nine, nine people that are, you know, really hit the ground running. And we have, you know, the one thing that, that I'm really excited about is the fact that it's not just PTs. We have veterinarians as well. We have veterinary technician as well, you know, which is ultimately you know, not not trying to sidetrack the conversation into, you know, legislation and, you know, turf battle or anything like that. But ultimately, that's how I see a lot of us working together. It's just us just understanding better how we all work. And I'm very excited that, you know, I'm I'm being able to build a community that that has all of those people working together to better ourselves as business owners. But that's what the program is about. It's just really teaching how basically I have done things in my business. I take taking them step by step, you know, from marketing to, um, you know, how to handle phone calls, how to sell people on the value they bring to how to structure the evaluation and ultimately how to turn 
those those patients, those clients into lifelong customers. That's something that I feel gets lost a lot of times with businesses. We're always we're always in the mode of like, I need more new clients. I need more, 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 more. And we fail to understand that sometimes we don't need more. All we need is more from the current ones that we already have, especially as you grow. You can't grow something by just wanting more, more, more. It's just not sustainable. So then we finish by talking how to turn those into lifelong customers, which is something we have done very successfully at the at the K9PT. So I'm very, very excited about this program that, that we're just wrapping it up. And then what we're going to be doing, because I'm not going to be able to offer it live again until next year, um, because this October, uh, you know, my wife and I are due for our first baby. Um, so I've been told I'm going to be pretty busy during those months. So I'm definitely not going to have time to offer that live, but I'm trying to figure out a way to so for the people who, who really want to be a part of it, who don't want to wait until next year to go through it, for, for them to be able to go through it, you know, this course that, that it was all recorded, everything that I'm going through with the students. And then once we do offer it live again next year, as a bonus, you'd be able to go through it once you know, with the live component, getting any updates, you know, and things that that, you know, I have learned then over the next six months or so, you know, because we're always learning, always evolving. And of course, things are always going to be changing. Awesome. And Francisco has kindly given us a recording. So the first part of this course, and this is how to leverage the customer cycle to grow and scale a successful and profitable business in Canine Rehab. So for the online pet health members, you'll be able to find that recording. We'll be loading it um, within the next week in your business basics area. And we're also going to put this in the free area. So if you are on the online pet health free area or you'd like to be able to access this, you can go to onlinepethealth.com forward slash free. I repeat that www.onlinepetshealth.com forward slash free and you go into the business area and you'll be able to access that. We also have details of if you are interested in carrying on with the K9 PT Academy Business Accelerator um, how you can do that um, on the website. Do you have a, a website that you could send people to if they wanted right now just to find out some more information? Yeah, um, we'll post that in the, in the links in case the URL has changed between this recording and whatnot. But if you go to uh, the K9PTAcademy.com, kind of like all together, um, you know, it, it should redirect you to that to the website. But we'll definitely post it in the link, um, you know, so make sure to double check the, the link for the podcast for it. Yeah, and that's a K as in the letter K and then number nine, P-T-Academy.com. Exactly. Yeah, so we'll put PT that in the description. Mm-hmm. Awesome, Francisco. Yes. Francisco, it's been great chatting to you and so interesting to hear your business model and how it works. Um, and yeah, looking forward to hearing how people have get on with the Business Academy and well done for that. It's a great initiative and something that Online Pet Health, we obviously also passionate about getting people to um, have successful practices and be successful vet rehab therapists. Um, so happy to support you in that. Thank you. I appreciate the support and I appreciate you know, inviting me once again to be a guest on your podcast. Thank you for listening to another episode of the K9 PT Academy podcast, Business Lessons for K9 Rehabilitation Therapist. If you enjoyed what we had to say, please make sure to share or subscribe to our podcast or even leave us a review. 
You can also email us at hello at caninptacademy.com. That's hello at caninptacademy.com with any questions or suggestions. And go to caninptacademy.com to find more resources and content, including our fee calculator spreadsheet, which is absolutely free and will help you determine how much you should be charging for your sessions. Because let's face it, determining what we should be charging is one of the biggest struggles we have as business owners in the canine rehabilitation field. You can also find all of that information and more under the show notes. Finally, I would just like to add a disclaimer that any of my thoughts and opinions expressed on this podcast are mine and mine alone, and in no way reflect the opinion or position of any other organization or company I may be associated with. Thank you for listening, and remember, if you're not having fun and enjoying life or running your business, then what's the point in doing so? So please go ahead and start having some fun.